0: Um, You know, I sat down with uh, Pastor Jonathan, and we were just reviewing the last 12 months of being alive in the United States. Can I just review for you just a little bit in the last 12 months what we've experienced? We've had riots. We've had looting. We've had protests. We've had cancel culture. Raid on the U.S. Capitol, election uh, election fraud, presidential impeachment two times, murder hornets, pandemics, Sahandra de- de- Desert Storm, wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, the epidemic, ice-mageddon over here in Dallas. I mean, it has been a crazy 12 months. Would you agree? Say yes. We have been in some storms. And, uh, and it has been an exciting experience if you're, if you're seriously tied into Jesus. If you're not, it has probably been all but unbearable. It was with that that we decided that we were going to do a series on what did Jesus teach. What did he do? Do you understand that our Savior, he did not wait for this perfect time of peace to come into history. In fact, he picked a time that was full of racial difficulty. He picked, a, he picked a time to come where, where literally there was an overthrowing of its government there with Rome, what's happening and transpiring. He, he picked to come in the middle of religious difficulty and unrest and conflict. When you talk about the racial wars between the Jews, Samaritans, Romans, Greeks, and all that was happening in his time, much more intense than even what we experience here more recently in the United States and have for many years The unrest the famine the racial inequality jesus put himself right in the middle of it and so i think it's proper that as we are in the midst of what i would say are going to be ongoing storms i think the concept of easy living is out the window would you agree with that i would say that's probably where we're at now and uh depending on your eschatology uh, which means your concept on end times uh, you may think that we are not quite there, you may think it's already happened, I, I'm not sure where you're at, but at the very minimum, the Bible calls it birth pains, we are at least in the birth pains. And so with that being said, how shall we live? What will we do? How will we guide our families? How will we make decisions? And it's with that that we thought it was real important, this month especially, to look into what Jesus taught, how he lived, the Life of Christ, the life and teachings of Jesus So with that being said, would you turn to Matthew chapter 7 We're going to kind of pay attention to this one uh, pretty impactful passage Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount In Matthew chapter 7, 5, 6, and 7 He's, uh, It's his famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount It's probably the most extensive teaching that we have of his And he literally lays out his base foundational uh, you know, theological teachings Or doctrinal pieces And so with that being said, verse 24, Matthew chapter 7 Look at Jesus saying like this, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Very good. Verse 25, the rain came, the streams rose, the pandemic hit, ice storms went all around. People were mad about mass, not mad about mass, people were going to get the shot, not going to get shot, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the elections came, the controversy came, the frustration came, everyone was lying on social media, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What do you think Jesus is really trying to get Forward here. What's his goal in this teaching? Well, let me just kind of give it to you real easy. He's trying to motivate us, the people listening, to, that they would that they would listen to his life-giving truths and put them into practice. What he's trying to do is stormproof us. Everybody say stormproof. storm-proof. He's trying to stormproof us. And as I dive into this, I, there's a number of observations I'd like to make. What do these two wise and foolish people have in common? The first observation I would make about what they have in common is that they both have the same dream. They're both dreaming the same thing. They want a nice house. They're going to build a nice house. They want want safety for their family. They want a a roof over their head. As Jesus is using this illustration, he says two different groups of people build this house, a wise man and a foolish man. They They have this in common. They want to build a nice place, a protection for their family. They want to have ease and comfort, something that they can call their own. They build a house. Here's the second thing that they both have in common is that they go through a storm. They go through a storm. Write that down. They go through a storm. Because I would like to present to you that being a Christian doesn't shield you, shield you from the storms of life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean bad things are not going to happen to you. Jesus was confronted with this truth, and he says, listen, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people. Such is life. There will be storms in your life. They're probably even more intensifying in our nation. So the question is not whether or not we're going to have storms. The question is, will you be able to weather the storms? That's the question on the table today. See, you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or heading into a storm. (laughs) (laughs) you know we we have a precious precious family in our church the barrientos and mama barrientos she graduated this week and went into heaven now that family right now is in a storm nobody wants to lose a loved one even though um, mama barrientos was one of the greatest women of god in this church nobody wants to lose a, a family member that's a storm that's a time of difficulty that's a position of difficulty. Both this wise man and this foolish man both had storms. They, all of us are going to go through storms, but storms don't have to destroy your life. Storms only destroy your life if you're built on sand instead of built on rock. It's not the storm that's destroying your life. It's not that you've got a bad diagnosis that's, built, that's destroying your life. It's that what are you built on that's destroying your life. It's not that you got that certified letter in the mail that's going to destroy you. It's what are you built on? The wind will come. The rain will fall. The water will rise. It will beat against your life. What will you do? Will you fare the difficulties of life? Jesus is giving us clear teaching on how to actually build properly so that we will sustain the storms of life. Here's the other thing they both have in common. And that is they both heard the words of Jesus. They both heard the words of Jesus. Jesus says to the crowd, everyone who hears these words. He says the one who hears these words and puts it into practice is a wise man. The one who hears these words and doesn't put it into practice is a foolish man. Both of these, the foolish man and the wise man, both heard the words of God. How many people are sitting in church hearing the word of God? Hearing the same messages but not putting them into practice. How many of you know, know the Bible? I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I, I know the Bible, went to Bible school back in 1975. Great. But, sir, you're still mean. And, and, and you're still bitter. And, and no one wants to be around you because you've heard all of this, but you haven't put it into practice. These both heard the Word of God, sat in church, read the Bible. They both heard the words of Jesus. But in Jesus' illustration, one put it into practice and therefore saved his life and his family's life. And the other one did not put it into practice, practice and therefore destroyed their family and their life. What do they not have in common? Let's observe this for a moment. What do they, these guys not have in common? Number one, one guy built on a rock and the other guy built on sand. See, building on rock is hard. It's difficult. If you've ever had a friend that lived in Colorado and built a house it takes much more intense planning. You have to get all types of surveys done. You have to work uh, at at a whole... it's, It's extremely more expensive, if you will. We had the privilege before Stormageddon, Jamie and I, uh, you guys, the church, uh, sent us for my 50th to go to Hawaii. We took all the mileage points on the credit cards, and and the the leadership said, yeah, we're going to let Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie go to Hawaii. So I got to go to Hawaii. Come on, first time Jamie and I have been in Hawaii. Thank you for that. And as we drove around this little island of Maui, it's not that little, but I was dumbfounded. Because I've only been on beaches and areas like down in the south in the Gulf. And, and you just don't build a house too close to the shoreline because it's all sand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But they, they had houses built right up to the ocean line because the entire islands are volcanic rock. Rock came up from out of the ocean. Uh, 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 you know, the, um, the, it exploded up, and now you have all this volcanic rock, and they build on this rock. It is very, very expensive to build in Hawaii. Because they've got to build on this rock it, co- it takes you more effort It's more expensive It's more time consuming That's what the one guy did The other guy was not willing to do all of that effort He built on sand Why? Because it's easier Shortcuts Quick ways And as Americans we always want the shortcut We always want to find the easy way through And so the, pro- the problem is you don't, Many times we don't realize that trials The Bible says Are working maturity in us Count it all joy when you face trials of many kind. For you know that these trials are working in you to bring about perseverance. And perseverance, when it has its full work done, the scripture says, brings you into a place of maturity maturity and you and I rebuke every trial we hate every trial we say it's the devil actually it's creating muscles for us and the reason why the rich uh, the the wise man the bible says was successful is because he took the time to actually go forward to get down into rock to build it right the guy on the sand on the other hand he just found an easy clear path and just started building because it was easier and there was no difficulty in gate involved in it it was an easier way Which brings me to the thought that the biggest contrast is what they did with God's Word, these two. One put it into practice, and the other one built as he saw fit. As he builds on that sand. You know, I I was thinking about this not so long ago. During during the economic downturn, uh, Jamie and I started looking at all these foreclosures. There's a particular house... And Lake Ridge neighborhood, which is one of our premier neighborhoods here in the Cedar Hill area, most of, the, most of those houses are built at a half a million and upwards. And I'll never forget walking into this house. They wanted $150,000 for like a 5,500-square-foot 5, house. Track with me during, during, uh, you know, during the economic downturn of 08. We came walking in this house. As soon as we opened the door, there were marble floors in the opening. I was like, whoa, who's got the kind of money for marble floors? We walked across. When you went in the master bedroom, the master bedroom must have been 1,200 square feet. It was huge. And then it had this huge bathroom area. And in the bathroom area was a spiral staircase to a second hidden room above the bathroom. I don't know what they did up there or what that was for, but that was just cool. The closet itself was bigger than my house in the master bedroom this house it had one of those pools it's kind of like that infin- infinity pool you know and, and and it dropped down they put it on cuz they were on the kind of the side of this this little uh, hi- berm this little hill and so you can see it but right down the middle of this house i'm talking about crack down the middle i could put my hand my full fist down through the crack through that marble just down you could see down down past all the foundation down into the dirt you could see down it right through the middle of the house right through the right through the ceiling the sides, that it was literally falling in. This, prob- this house was probably built for a million and a half. And here they were trying to dump it at $150,000 during an economic downturn, all because of this. And anyone who builds in that area knows this. When they built out Joe Pool Lake, they dug out all that dirt, and they piled it into what is uh, what is the neighborhood, you know, the lake ridge. And what, if you have a good builder, the good builder knew to drill down till they found bedrock to set the footings. But the cheap builders... The fly by night guys, they just started putting the foundation on the dirt that was right there. And then what happens is over time, shifting starts happening and rip that house in two. Oh that person saved a lot of money With that particular builder than the other builders On the other hand Jamie and I had a house In Lake Ridge and it had been there from the beginning And the builders knew that that was Shifting dirt, shifting sand And they built that sucker all the way down. It was much more expensive to build the house That we had and it didn't have all the bells and whistles Like this particular one I'm referring to But that thing no matter what was happening No matter what storms came, no matter what transpired That sucker was strong We didn't have a bunch of cracks in the foundation We didn't have to go have all that repaired or over hauled or knocked down and restart all because the our builder did it right. Are you with me today? Say yes. The wise builder builds on the rock. The foolish builder builds on the sand. Today, I want to help you a little bit. I don't think any of us want to be fools. Would you say amen to that? Please say it. Thank you. So can I give you a couple? What's the difference between wise and foolish people? Let me give you a couple thoughts on being wise in this age. First off, number one, wise people relentlessly love Jesus. Wise people relentlessly love Jesus. Write that down. Wise people relentlessly love Jesus. You'll recognize that term, relentlessly love Jesus, because it's a part of our mission statement. Here at Hill City, our mission statement is to relentlessly love Jesus... His church and the hurting, to relentlessly love, not a little come to church every now and then, hope to be a decent little Christian. I'm talking about I am chasing after a relationship with the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. So look at Psalms uh, 27. David says it like this in verse four, "One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell." And the house of the Lord all my days to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Verse five: For that in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling; He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me upon a high rock. David had an un, had a revelation. I can I can chase after being a good king like I'm called to be. I can get all the wisdom from all the trainers of my era. I can go study astrology. I can know. I can go to university. I can have. I can take master classes. But this one thing I have come to the conclusion of: I just want to know Jesus. I just want to gaze upon His beauty. I just want to. I just want to sit in His arms and let Him love on me like a kid. This is the King. This is King David. He said, "I just want to gaze upon His beauty. I just want to sit in the in the tabernacle. I just want to be in His room with Him, hanging out in His living room." He goes, "Because if I do that, I know that when trouble comes, I will be safe in His dwelling." Friends, storms are coming. Who are you holding on to? Who's holding on to you? How much do you know Him? Not knowing about him do you know him so so many people take religion and they want to go to church and they want to have this little encounter thing. No, 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 that's not what we're talking I'm talking about relentlessly loving Jesus. If you're gonna be wise, you gotta find a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. David said, I just wanna gaze upon his beauty. What he's talking about is a real relationship. I just wanna know him. I just wanna be in love with him. Listen, this thing is not a game for me. This is not a profession for me. I'm not, I'm not a pastor because you know I can make money here and I can't make money somewhere else. No, no, no. I was called to help you get closer to him. That's what he's called me to do. That's my whole job in life is to help you get closer to him. But if you don't get closer to him, friend, you are a foolish individual. You're building your life on sand. And you got all these wonderful things that you learned in university. And all these things that you follow this person over here and their podcast and they're so wise. At the end of the day, you better learn your Savior. You better be best friends with him because that is the only way you're going to protect against the storms. Are you with me? Say yes. Know the Lord your God. Here's a... Second thing that wise people do, and that is wise people maintain a teachable spirit. They maintain a teachable spirit. Their attitude has changed from, I have so much to say, to, I have so much to learn. The older I get, the more stupid I realize I am. Are you with me? Have you ever been in a conversation with a group of people, you didn't know everybody in the circle, and you start talking about some stuff that you know a little bit about? only to realize afterwards that a professional on that topic was sitting in a circle and never said a thing? That probably has never happened to you guys. because You're smarter than me. But I've probably done that a hundred times. And then, like, why didn't you say anything? Well, you're doing a pretty good job, but you, it wasn't, half of what you said wasn't right. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait, wait, just say something. It's, a, it's an embarrassing moment, right? You and I must learn to stay teachable. Look at Proverbs 9 and 8 says, Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Why will a mocker hate you if you rebuke them? Because they're unteachable. This is the reason why I don't use my social media platforms to rebuke mockers. They'll hate me for it. They won't learn anything. It's not the best way. The best way is to be one-on-one in relationship with someone where you can help them, and you can actually explain to them how the Lord says it or sees it or, or, or pronounces it. And he says, literally... Do not rebuke them or they will hate you. Rebuke, a wise, rebuke the wise and they will love you for it. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. How do I know if I have an unteachable spirit? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. A kind of litmus test. A few ways to tell that you may or may not have a, an unteachable spirit. Number one, chronic failure in your life. And take this straight out of scripture. This is I'm not getting this out of some psychology magazine. But straight out of scripture. Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. See, I just keep failing. I fail at this, I fail at my last job, I'm failing at this job, I'm failing at this job. Might be that you're not teachable. Have you ever had somebody work with you that wasn't teachable? Is it not frustrating? Go look at their resume. They have 30, 40, 50 job experiences. Like, like you couldn't work that many jobs in a How come this is your third job in six months? It could be that you're not teachable. Well, I just don't find her, right, and they just judge me, and they're just, hmm. And I would imagine that most people won't correct you because to correct a mocker only to have them hate you. It's, it's almost not worth the time. The Bible actually says it like this, do not throw your pearl before swine. In other words, don't take the precious truths that you've learned and give them to a pig. What do pigs do? They destroy everything. State of Texas, you can kill a pig anytime you want to. You can shoot them in the night. You can shoot them during the day. You can hit them with your truck. They don't care. Get rid of them because they're destroying all of the good farmland because they multiply so fast and all they do is destroy. And so they make good bacon sandwiches. So they're just free free for all. Here's the... Second way, maybe, you can tell that you have an unteachable spirit, and that is that you're argumentative and defensive. Argumentative and defensive. Listen, this is not my message. This is straight from the the Word of God. Proverbs 20. I don't like any of this. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, ah. Proverbs 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. If you find yourself constantly in arguments, if you often find yourself being defensive about lots of things in your life, maybe, just maybe, you have an unteachable spirit. You say, well, that's just my nature. I was just made to fight. Mm, Actually, the Bible says that when we become believers, that the peace of God begins to permeate our hearts, that we can walk in peace with all men. In fact, the Bible tells us to walk in peace with all men to the best of our abilities. And so, and so quite honestly, I have found there are those that I have tried to help, and they, you, I, you just can't teach them. And you, so you say, hey, what about this? And they'll argument. I'll never forget, I was sitting with one of these particular young men who was very, very successful uh, in Christian worship. And uh, he, said, he said, man, I just need a mentor. I said, awesome. He So he brought his little wife. He said, I just got to have a couple things that, that I'd like some wisdom. I said, great. You came set in my office, and, and he asked the question. I said, well, well, da-da-da-da-da. He goes, yeah, i already done that okay well what about this right here and he goes oh yeah I've already done that after about 10 minutes of yeah I've already done that and I know that and I know this and I know that I just and I finally I just pushed away from the table said I can't help you because you know everything and it hit him (laughs) like (laughs) I'm being so arrogant and he was but you know when you're young you think you know everything and he was so argumentative, he went back and forth, so defensive. Anything I tried to put my finger on and try to help him. It, again, we, we say this a lot in this church. We all have blind spots. You say, well, I don't. Right. You don't see your blind spots. They're called blind spots for a reason. That's why I want you to get in a small group so we can all help you see your blind spots. That's why you don't want to get in a small group because you don't want anybody to know your blind spots. That's, this thing is an endless circle. I'm trying to help you grow. And you're like, "Nah, I ain't going to grow. I don't know why. Tell me what I'm doing. <laughs> tell me. Right, well, there you go. And here we go. Keep on building on the sand. Here's the next one. How do I know if I have an unteachable spirit? And that is isolate. You isolate. Proverbs 18:1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I, this was my tendency back in the day my tendency not to ask for help to cave in the middle of storms to go hide to kind of kind of you know you know shore up the uh, what's mine lock down the hatches and, and do it all by myself i can do this it was kind of that independent spirit that was about me that literally i'll never forget when one of the senior associate pastors on the church said adam i love you but you have an independent spirit you have an ind- i was like no i don't and you're not teachable okay <laughs> It was just my tendency not to ask for help, not to reach out for help. It was just my tendency to think that I could do it in my own strength. I, it was probably because my grandmother half half raised me and she was that World War II generation that, that came through the Great Depression and uh, nobody could ask, she wouldn't She wouldn't ask anybody for help, she'd just sit there and suffer and I watched her do it and I just saw it pattern and so it just came a part of me and I literally had to get set free because literally that is pride and egotism, when we isolate we lose the ability to be taught, when we say listen what do y'all think, can y'all give me some input on that, I'll never forget walking in the gym after I had graduated high school and now I'm in ministry and I need to start working out I'm getting all flubbery and, and now that kind of stuff, and I go in the gym, and there's all, there's, a, there's a trainer there, there's the owner of the gym, and they literally, they recognized it was my first day, said, Do you need any help just kind of figuring it out in the machines? I said, no, I got it, and I sat there and faked my way through it like I knew what I was doing. Why? Because I did not want to ask for help. I was accustomed to isolating myself and figuring it out myself. Some of you were trained that by your parents Your daddy was like that And so you're now propagating it You need to get free You need to have a teachable spirit You need to be able to say Hey listen What do y'all think I should do about that Not only that You guys that are older and more mature Listen to some of these young guys They got some insight God, You guys that are young And think you have it all figured out You need to take some older folks Out of this church out to dinner And say help Show me what to do Because I'm seeing my generation Blow this whole thing You and I need each other Are you there today? Say yes Come on Are you there today? Say yes And here's the third and final thing that wise people do. Wise people put God's word into practice. This is is a separating piece that Jesus teaches. He says they both heard my words, but the one who put it into practice, put it into practice, built their life on a foundation that caused them to stand when the storms came. Storms are coming. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or heading into a storm. That's our life. Either You're either coming out of a difficulty, you're in the middle of a difficulty, or you'll be heading into a difficulty at some point. Such is life. You say, I don't understand. Why is that? Why is that? Let me explain something to you. Do you ever get mail in your mailbox that says occupant? Don't even bother to find out my name. They just send it to whoever lives at that house. Do you know why you're gonna have storms in your life? Cause you're an occupant, cause you live on the planet, cause you're alive. That's why you're going to have storms. Not because you're good or bad, because you are alive. And what do we do? We prepare for that. We make ready for that. We build our life on something and someone that we cannot be shaken. We cannot be broke down. It's going to happen. You're going to have difficulty. Can I, I've been so proud of some of the mighty men and women of God in this church as they've gone through things, lost loved ones, and they kept saying, Jesus is Lord. In fact, we're going to show video footage for Easter of one of our families who they diagnosed their child in the womb, that that child was going to be horrible. This was going to be a terrible disease. They would never live. They won't even live past birth. And they kept saying, you know what? No matter what happens, Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter what happens, we're not going to quit on God. We're not going to quit being part of our small group. We're not going to keep trusting in Jesus. And can I tell you something? I saw the dad the other day at a practice. Our, our girls are in the same softball team. And he said, Pastor Adam, he is my little baby boy, he's breaking all, all of the records. They said he wouldn't be able to do this by this point, but he's doing that. He says, no matter what the storms of life are, we're holding on to Jesus and Jesus will get us through. Are you with me today? Wise people take God's word and put it into practice. Not just hearing it, but putting it into practice. Where do you get your wisdom from? Where do you get your wisdom from? From Google? Is that how you know how to make decisions? You Google it? From, From a professor at a university who hates God? From your old mom and dad and their busted up marriage, and you asking them on how to stay married? From some person that follows you on social media, and you throw that out there, and they've given you some kind of little quote from some philosopher from back in the day. Where do you get your wisdom from? How do you know how to make decisions for your life? I'll give you a scenario. Person at work is obviously prejudice. You're a black man you've got a white supervisor who obviously is extremely prejudiced and making your job difficult what do you do what do you do what does the word of God say to do and to put it into practice it's all sexy at church but when we got to walk through it when we got to live it Friday I saw the report of this thing that went down in Plano and I was livid I was losing my mind I was I was before the Lord. It's like Lord what are we doing I'm trying to bring racial reconciliation to my generation. I'm fighting for this thing day and night. And and, and more of this foolishness is happening. And I literally got hopeless as I'm reading this article about these young boys and what they did to that young black man. I am losing my mind. I don't I, I I I'm I'm so angry. And my tendency, what's my tendency? To isolate myself. That's my tendency. And so I, 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 I don't know what to do, I'm frustrated, I'm aggravated, but I'm preparing a message about how we don't need to isolate, where we need to get the wisdom from the Word of God. Are you tracking with me? So I started praying, I said, God, I need somebody right now. I need somebody right now. Nine o'clock, Friday night, and one of my buddies, who pastors up the road, calls me. He says, what are the McCain?" his opening statement, on, when I say hello, he says, what do the McCain's do on Friday nights at nine o'clock? I said, well, I'm before the Lord, studying the Word of God. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, bro, only because my, b- my week was so messed up that I didn't get to spend time with the Lord to prepare this message till right now. I'm not being spiritual. Normally, we're watching TV and eating popcorn, I promise you. Like we're not. And he goes, oh, okay. I said, but it's God that you called. In fact, I was praying that someone like you would call. I said, I'm hurting right now. I said, I'm frustrated right now. But the Bible says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And the Bible says that when you're going through something, get someone else to pray for you. And I know I'm a pastor, and I said, and I told, my tendency when I answered the phone was to go, praise the Lord, everything's going great, brother. (laughs) Woo-hoo. Man, Hill City's doing it, man. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was my, that's what I saw modeled. And I I just wasn't going to do it this time. I'm like, I'm going to be authentic. I need help. And I said, I need you to pray for me. I said, I'm trying to pastor a multiracial church in the midst of stupidity. This world is messed up, and we're trying to come together and I don't even know what to say half the time. I'm just trying to, I just, I don't know what to do. And he said, let me pray for you. And he started praying the prayer of faith. By the time he was finished, I'm pacing the house. Yeah, get, get under me, devil. And Jesus, I mean, just, because I humbled myself. I did what the word of God said. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I, I, I took what I found in the scriptures, and I put it into practice. What will you do when you and your wife look up one day, And like we've been so busy building a family that we stopped building our relationship. What will you do? Who will you go to? Where will you find your wisdom from? Could I propose to you that Jesus made it super clear in his original teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. The wise man took my teachings and applied them. And therefore when the storms of life came, they stood and did not fall. The foolish man heard everything I was saying but did not apply them to their everyday life. So when the storms came, it destroyed them and destroyed everything about them. 2020 was a year of watching Christians get destroyed. It was embarrassing because I realized that many Christians have heard the word. They love their little one-liners from their favorite person on on TikTok or their favorite person on social media. They love their little one-liners but they don't apply it to their everyday life. You and I, Hill City, we will be the Christians who are wise, not because we're smarter than everybody else, because we got enough sense. If Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. If Jesus said it, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm in love with him I'm relentlessly pursuing him If he said it I don't even like it But I'm going to do what he said Why? Because he is the master builder The creator knows how to protect us The creator knows how to build us The creator who loves us Who cares about every aspect of our life Does not give instruction to harm us But only to help us Are you with me today? Say yes There's nothing worse Than looking at a four year old And trying to explain to their little dumb mind Why sticking the fork in the socket Is not a good thing to do and they're like, I want to, I want to. And you just want to whoop them up one side and down the other. And I would imagine that all of heaven looks at us throughout the week and goes, ah, just do what I'm telling you. Just, just trust me. I got your best interest in mine. Oh, dear Jesus, help us. See, both of these guys had biblical information, but only one had biblical application. Take the Bible and apply it to your life. You say, I need wisdom in this, pastor. Go start, see, seek it out. Early on in my Christian walk, because I did not grow up a Christian. I had, I had a real, real uh, mind that was full of dirty images, a lot of porn growing up as a kid and, and not knowing God and that time I got saved and those images didn't just go away. They just didn't go Poof, because I got saved. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and had this little prayer language. I thought if I pray in tongues, hours and hours one day Poof, all these images will go away and I'll feel good and that did not happen. And so what I realized as I was in Bible school, one of the professors taught, the word of God will wash and cleanse your mind. So I went, and I found every scripture on purity. I found every scripture against against perversion. I wrote them on three-by-five cards, and I began to apply them to my mind, I, I apply them to my life. And I'll never forget that I would get in these moments of temptation, and guess what the Bible said to do with youthful lust? Flee it. I didn't have to argue about it. I didn't have to come up with some plan, so I didn't have to, you know, if I get this thing and this thing, I just started running away. Every time i start having a moment in front of the computer, i just take off running because the Bible said, flee youthful lust. I went through those scriptures over and over and over again, and I did everything. They told me to do And I'm happy to report to you That your pastor is not a pervert he's not cheating on his wife Come on somebody That he's pure Not because I'm so great Because back in the day I took the word And I applied it to my life I began to build a foundation So your family can trust Coming to this church Why? Because back in the day I applied it So I have a strong foundation No matter what comes No matter how many pastors Are falling in foolishness And sexual sin You can say Oh, my pastor Got a better foundation Why? Because when he was a young Stupid young minister He Young Christian, he applied the word of God. Start applying the word of God, and you will not fail. The storms will come, they will rise, and you'll keep standing. They'll shake the house, but they'll not tear down the house. They'll bump up against it, but you'll still be standing. And when all the waters subside and everything around you is crushed and broken, they'll look at you and say, can we come stay with you? Because you're the only thing still standing. Are you with me today?